And then like from there, I don't know, my whole life was just music, music, music. Like um, one thing that's been on my mind a lot lately is the fact that doing too much of the same thing can kind of take away from the passion. I teach music, I study music, like I went to school for music. And I think sometimes like teaching and performing music kind of makes it feel like now your passion is a job. So it would be like if you were a balloon artist and then you performed balloon art and then yeah. you studied balloon art. Yeah, yeah. Like, so I kind of feel like I need to re-fall in love with music, if that makes any sense. Kind of falling in love with comedy was like a refreshing thing for me because it wasn't my job it was like something fun for me but of course I'm crazy so I'm kind of like turning it into my job instead of a passion <laughs> because it started off with like just me being passionate about watching stand-up special I was like binge watching them and I was just like I think the moment that I decided I wanted to do it was because I felt jealous of Chris Rock on this week's episode a review in progress we have Andrea Prantatelli musician, comedian, YouTube podcaster. In fact, the audio comes from her currently unnamed podcast that you can find on her YouTube channel, Pranzada. Andrea was gracious enough to allow me to use the audio from my podcast. It was a great talk. We talked about our stories of starting stand-up and the initial attraction to performing stand-up. We also discussed our worries and anxieties about starting stand-up quote-unquote late and also quote-unquote wasting our 20s. And at the very end, I give my prediction of what the outcome will be of this whole Joe Rogan Spotify censorship debacle. It's a great episode. I hope you enjoy. Welcome back. Thank you so much, guys, for if you are returning to this episode, to the show, I appreciate it. If this is your first episode, thank you so much. I really do appreciate it. My name is Kyle Colorado, and this is Review in Progress. Um, I This is my first episode since I've come back after releasing my first three episodes. And I really want to say thank you so much, guys, for listening. It was like 90 listens over those three episodes. So that was awesome. That was so cool to see. Like, that's not a big number at all for most creators, but because I've never done anything that like this, this was so huge. It was Mount Rushmore or Mount Everest. Mount Rushmore is a man-made thing. Mount Everest, it was so huge for me. So I really want to thank you. I thank you for all the kind words I've received about the episodes. A lot of people seem to like it. I want to shout out one person in particular, my good friend, Laura Meyer, who she gave me a call like, to tell me how good the episode was, and that was so nice. It was, I don't want to repeat everything, because it almost comes off as a humble brag. I will say, she like gave me some compliments that I don't necessarily agree with, but I really do appreciate. It makes me feel well. So, Laura, I really do appreciate you for listening, and I hope you're listening again. Thank you. Yeah, Um. so it's just been... It's been fun. It's been fun, but I will say I'm in a bit of a weird state. Let me start off by saying right now I'm going to be on a two-week upload schedule, uh, mostly on Tuesdays. You'll see why this came out on a Thursday in a minute. Um, just I want to get a backlog of a couple episodes. I need to follow up on some guests that I've spoken to and get nailed down some dates. And once I have like three, four, five episodes like in a backlog, I'll be like, all right, I'm going to move it up two a week. I don't want to overextend myself and burn out, essentially. I don't want to do any of that. So at the moment, two-week schedule. 
So thank you guys for anyone who is listening again to a second episode, third episode, whatever. This could be your first episode. Thank you so much. Um, if you could just do me a favor, if, if you like this, share it with a friend, review it on iTunes, rate it on iTunes, it's on Spotify, wherever you, wherever you can do to help make it grow as best as we can. I would like this to get into the hands of more people. I really want this to be a, you know, all these conversations I have with these very creative people. I want this to be a blueprint for someone who may be thinking about starting or is in the process of starting or just started or is like 10 years into. I just hope this helps people maybe see other people's creative process and how they think about it. I just want it to be a resource. That's all I want. I just want people to enjoy this and take something away from it. So if you can help spread that, I'd really appreciate it. So today is October 1st. And today is the first day in the last three weeks I have felt the most productive creatively in a while. Um, I will say I just came off like a two-week kind of self-imposed lockdown. I wasn't sick, nor did anyone around me get sick with the virus. Uh, just I, I live with my in-laws and one of my family members, and I don't want to mention who, had to go in for surgery this week. And as a household, we all agreed to limit our time outside uh, interacting with the world in case one of us brings home the virus and spreads it to the person who had to get surgery and was going to be unable to get that surgery because it's a very important surgery that they needed to get. And I will say during that like little lockdown, it was really, really hard to get most things done, which sucked because I had my episodes drop. And I think I did an okay job of like creating content around it based on those particular episodes, but I think I could have done better. I really wanted to do more. It's just, it's very hard to focus. I think my anxiety around the whole surgery, which wasn't very conscious, I think it was subconscious, kind of prevented me from doing things. You know, creativity can be very difficult when no one is asking you for the product. You're just putting the product out there. You have to be your own kind of like, I don't know, just like your own person to push out the content or, you know, put your own deadlines. You're accountable to yourself and yourself only. And when you're not 100% mentally, it can be very hard to get that done. So it was a very tough two weeks, but I'm back. Today was great. I went to a mic last night. It was my first one back. Had a good set. I did a new joke that I wrote kind of in that time. That was like the one thing I was able to get done, but it was a fairly in-depth bit, so I feel pretty happy with it. It went well. So I'm feeling good, which is why I'm rolling with this. I'm doing a whole bunch of things. I'm, I'm working on even my small business that I do for myself because if you don't know, it gets referenced in the very beginning of this episode. I also have a balloon twisting company where I do birthday parties and events and Last, like, 24, 48 hours has been inundated with a lot of, like, some jobs. I feel very busy, which is very weird because I feel a lot busier than even before pandemic. So, yeah, that's just where I'm at. It just feels good. So I'm going to keep rolling with this. So I'm going to actually keep rolling and moving past this, you know, the creative journey is 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 long and 
I'm just enjoying it as best I can. So I don't want to keep you any longer from this particular episode with my guest, Andrea Prantatelli. Like I said, this is from her podcast, which you could find on her YouTube channel, Pranzada. This will be the audio version. She will have the video version. She does not have an audio podcast set up yet. I do not have the YouTube version set up yet. It was a perfect collision course of just like we can both put up our own content using essentially the same time that we spent together. So synergy, baby. So, um, so it was a great, it was a, this was great. We, we met, uh, through Instagram. She reached out and on my, on like my brand new, it was like maybe two weeks old by that point, my brand new Instagram for my, uh, comedy career, Kyle RG Colorado. Give me a follow. And, Ooh, I like that. That might, that's a, that's a rhyme. I like that. Kyle RG Colorado. Give me a follow. <laughs> oh, that was cheesy. Anyway, she reached out because she needed. She found me, knew, found, saw that I was a comedian, and was like, hey, I want to start comedy. I have this secret desire to perform comedy. I've been writing comedy for a year and a half. Are there any mics going on? Because it's COVID right now. This was like July. So I was so excited that someone wanted to talk to me about comedy. I was like, here's everything I know. And I just gave her all the mics that I knew that I've been going to. And it, I, you know, and then that just kind of started a nice rapport. We, you know, we've met twice once at the first mic she ever did. I happened to be there that night. And then for this podcast, we've met in person twice, but we've had a lot of conversations through Instagram, through, through Instagram DM, just talking about comedy, talking about anything relate because she jumped into the deep end is, and is doing her best into going. She's asking me for my advice. And I'm like, this is so funny because I wish I had some advice that like I feel like oh man I hope I don't give her bad advice but this is just what I would do and I always try and preface that and like you know give it like a little asterisk like this is what I would do but I don't know if it's right you know but she is a treat she is great um I went to her place and man it's so funny to see like setups because so far all my setups I've been going to people where they live so I've been bringing my entire setup which is like a tabletop setup and it works great but it's so funny because she has like a nice room like it's a studio for her like work she's not going to be there forever she's actually moving out but I'm assuming wherever she goes she'll make up another studio space and it's so funny to see like oh she has a studio space she's a piano it's a whole thing it's a nice backdrop and me I come in with my sister-in-law's like old um uh suitcase it's like it's a zebra's like black and white stripe it's very it's very feminine and it is just like oh here we go and it's it's very funny to see the difference uh you'll you'll see if you watch her the video version of this podcast you'll see it's a very nice setup that she has uh and if you've ever seen the photos of my setups where i just kind of come in and take over a person's space for like an hour and a half it's just it the 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 I guess the the disparity between the two is very funny to me. Yeah, so she's also a great musician, by the way. A wonderful musician. That's where she got her, I don't want to say star, but that's kind of like got her onto this journey. Uh, so before we even get into this episode, what I'm going to do is I'm going to play you a cover that you could find on her YouTube channel, Pranzada, uh, of her doing a jazz cover of Amy Winehouse's Back to Black. It's phenomenal it's so rude that she's this talented um because it makes me feel bad so um we're gonna listen to her version her cover of 
Amy Winehouse is back to black, and then we're going to hop right into the uh, into the interview. You'll hear a little bit before the interview what I what I we, she recorded before we started her interview. So there's a little bit of behind the scenes action where we just discuss for a minute or two. So that's the that's like the secret, you know, the the bonus content you get from the audio version. So uh, all right, guys, enjoy Andrea Pranzatelli playing Back to Black, and then followed by our interview. Thanks, guys. He left no time to regret Kept his dick away With his same old safe In my head high In my tears dry Get on without my guy You went back to what you knew So far remote From all that we went through We only said goodbye Ask you 
questions about your balloon job on the podcast one more Wonderful. Yeah. How did, did you did you know that about me prior to or I think I well you mentioned that you work for kid work uh, with kids okay and then I saw it on your profile that you do balloon animals on right the I did write what you I, meant when I you did you I did kids? write that okay yeah. I forgot that I wrote that on my bio that makes yeah. sense that's it's like how, I'm like I don't remember we've had such you know yeah. small amount of conversations so yeah. I was like man did I bring that up just yeah. randomly. <laughs> That would, I mean, that would be me, but you know. I just remember, um, like, in one of the conversations we had through Instagram, you mm-hmm. were like, "Oh, I liked your joke about kids. I work with kids." Right. I and did then say I didn't that. ask you what you did, but I kind of put the pieces together, together. that um, maybe you were meant the balloon animals, yes. unless you have another job with kids. Uh, I mean, I worked at Chuck E. Cheese, but that kind of led into the balloon animals. Mm-hmm. So, yes, <laughs> sort of. <laughs> okay, so yeah. we are recording right now. So here I have my friend Kyle. Col- Kyle Colorado with me. I habitually have been messing up everybody's names That's in my so podcast. That's so funny. But. It's not even my like birth name. Did you know that? I was going to ask you. I'm like, your name is too perfect for like yeah. com- comedy. I'm like, did you create that name? Or? It, it's, um, it's my wife's last name. Oh, so so you actually took her name? Yeah, I took her name in uh, not all. It's I'm hyphenated. Okay. Because... Um, my name is Kyle Groom. That's what, and there is a comedian. And you're a groom. Look at that. Right, exactly. <laughs> um, and um, there's a comedian called Kyle Grooms, 25 year veteran from New Jersey, mm-hmm. born in the town I live next to right now. He's black. There's the difference. Um, <laughs> but yeah, also better than I am. So, <laughs> and I've gone to open mics and shows, and people are like Kyle Grooms. I go, you're going to be sorely disappointed. Yeah. What you expect is a 25 year black veteran. You're going to get a two to one year, maybe, and a really white dude. Yeah. As a, so that's the difference. No, I guess th- I was going to say that's a really like. I love, I, I do love my last name, Pranzatelli, yeah. and I feel like it is a good, like, comedian or uh, music performance name, um, so it would be hard for me to, like, if I get married, I think it would be hard for me to take somebody else's last name, but that was actually a bold move on your case, <laughs> because whatever you want to do, this other guy's already... Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it, 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 was kind of, it was kind of made for me before I even started, and I even knew him because, uh, I don't know, the MySpace age, so <laughs> he reached out to me, and he's like, cool name, I guess he was just trying to do that thing when comedians in the, yeah. in the early 2000s found MySpace and were like, I'm just going to reach out to fans. And he's just like, here's this, guy, here's this kid with the same name from the same state that I live yeah. in. And I was like, cool job, because that's I knew that I wanted to do that. I didn't do it for very many, very many years until yeah. then, but I was like, so I knew that walking in. So I kind of yeah. let the first two years, because it happened this year where I changed it, yeah. uh, I allowed myself to be Kyle Groom. And now I'm just like, ah, oh, I have shed that personality. Same jokes, but like I've shed that like name and yeah. Your wife really hooked it up though, because Kyle Colorado. I was like, that is a good stage name. Yeah. Like it's like one that you can't forget. What? It's almost like a porn star name, but like <laughs> that has been said to me. <laughs> I I I did a whole thing when I was like letting people know I was starting my comedian Instagram under mm-hmm. my under my stage name, and I wrote that like yes, it's being referred to as a porn name. <laughs> and then my sister in law was like, why'd you say it's a porn name? <laughs> and I was like, it's just it's the Double cons. It's the what's it called? The alliteration between the. T- and she's like, to be fair, my name is Giselle Colorado. I also. <laughs> that's just- that is def- that's like a stri- totally a stripper name, Giselle yeah. Colorado. Yeah. So I wanted to start this podcast off with some questions. Um, but before I get into questions about you as a comedian, yeah. I wanted to start every podcast with questions totally unrelated to comedy or anything, just as a little icebreaker. Uh-huh. So my first question for you is, are there any sounds that irritate you? Like some people, it's the chalkboard or is there any sounds you know, that disgust it did, you? It didn't start off that way, but 
actually writing on chalkboard. Really, like, just it hits that. Ba- I don't, you know, I went to school throughout the years when chalkboard was still very much in use. <laughs> didn't bother me. And then, I don't know, something about it just, like, it really, like, just like all the hits all, your, the nerves yeah, in your neck all or the, all the hairs in the back of the neck stand up like it used to be balloons when i first started but that doesn't work yet. it doesn't work anymore <laughs> i go i turn to a kid i'm like you're annoying everyone else yeah. but me i'm okay so just so everybody knows he's a balloon artist yes balloon, so balloon he artist he can't I'm, not like the sound of balloons at i this don't want to say balloon sculpture because that's too like hoity-toity for yeah. me that's like well, when bartenders are like um, what's mixologists. The, mixologists, yeah. I had a, I, I wrote a joke about that. I on. think you did. I've heard that before, and then I saw you wrote a joke about it. And I was like, that yeah. is so true. Yeah, it's just the 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 joke goes. Um, mixologist is just a fancier way of saying bartender. Yeah. Like uh, saying I'm in between jobs is fancier than saying uh, broke in boxers in bed at noon or something <laughs> like that. <laughs> I so. remember that. Um, so my next question for you, along with sounds, are there any words? Like some people are like, ooh, I can't stand. The-. Like my sister hates the word pus. She hates the word pus. Are there any words that make you aggravated? No, nothing really makes me, nothing that I can think of off the top of my head that makes me go compared to like where I saw with the uh, the, the chalkboard sound. No, I, I, I like to abuse those words that people don't <laughs> like. Um, there was one that I remember that both me and my, um, you know, my now wife were just like, that's a weird way to use it. It was in that movie Fright Night that came out. It was, tw- it was with Anton Yelchin and had, uh-huh. and it was Colin Farrell as a uh, vampire. Oh. And he used the word ripe to refer to a woman. And we're just like, that's not, oh. it doesn't work out. Just like that, that word will not bother us forever. But in yeah. this context, Ooh. It's a little like pedophile-ish or a little rapeish. I think that's what they yeah. were going for, and they nailed it. So, yeah. so my next question for you is: If there was a um, documentary being produced about you right now at this point in your life, what would the theme song? Because I, I can't say the theme song of your life because mm. life is always changing. But if it was like right now, now a snapshot of you, what of would like your where theme I'm song? currently at. Hey, that's interesting. That's a uh, man. Wish you would have pre-gave me that one because that feels that feels that feels like that's I'm like now. Ma- not only is it like have to think about it. now i'm also making a statement like yeah. this is who i am right now well okay if it's that intense it could even be of the day of the day it doesn't have to be of the the spot you are in your life or it could be of the day or the week i will say when i walked outside and it was like 60 degrees uh mr blue sky by elo popped in my oh, head nice i love elo yeah, ELO. yeah so oh. i think that would be the for today yeah. thank you for like narrowing it down <laughs> i was like oh like Ooh, it's been it's been a lot going on in the <laughs> some of my favorite like podcasts i love the whitney cummings podcast i don't know if you're a like, fan good, of whitney good for Cumming. you yeah. yeah so she has like um regular questions that she asked the guests i don't know if i'm gonna use these questions as my regular questions because i'm like i need to see like kind of what's fun but if it's like too intense i'm like maybe i won't do that one but we'll see <laughs> well yeah i mean that i you know <laughs> maybe some people won't overthink it like i yeah. will you know that's that's a, that's a real possibility i'll but give it a couple tries and yeah see how oh for goes. sure it's, you're trying things out and trying to see what sticks and that's the only thing you can do yeah. right now but okay, those are all my questions as for my fun questions, but I'm going to play around with that and come up with other fun questions. So now I have questions for you as a comedian. Wonderful. So first I want to say I'm so happy to have you have you here today because I don't think I would have started comedy without your help and assistance. You were so kind and so generous. Can I also say, and I don't mean to interrupt, sure. um, 
is that I mean I do mean to interrupt because I'm interrupting. <laughs> um, but it was so nice because, like I said, I started my comedian podcast, a comedian uh, Instagram, yeah. and you're like, you just reached out. Like I see that, and it was just like someone's reaching out to me about comedy who doesn't know me and they want to talk about comedy. It was like a really like, oh, this is a good. That's why I like unloaded on you with all that information i wasn't like and i was happy about it It wasn't like unloading in a bad thing i was like wow this is a really nice generous person because i was like i finally had the courage to um i've been thinking about doing comedy for like excuse me (laughs) the beer yeah for like a year (laughs) now and um i was like finally worked up the courage to do it and there's a pandemic and i'm like okay well i'm ready to do it but i have no idea how to find out how so i was like googling like okay where can i do stand up and the only place i know was a stress factory in um near Rutgers in new brunswick so i was like i don't know what to do so my next bet was like let me just see people in the new jersey comedy scene and i'm not sure how i found you exactly i think i just like searched up hashtag comedy Mm -hmm. and you came up and i was just like let me just like like randomly message this person and uh it was just you gave me so much information and you hooked me up with that um new jersey comedy thing yeah and i was like i don't think i would have found all this like well it's one of those things that i've said and it's one of those things that you don't realize where comedy is happening until you get all this information yeah you you find these sources at least in this state i I, it's hard it kind of exists in a almost Harry Potter-esque way where just like <laughs> everything exists and it seems normal on the outside yeah. and then you turn a corner and you have to say a weird word to someone you're like, oh, yeah. there's this whole other world that's opening up to me right now. And not only that, but like one thing led to the next because it was like, okay, now he's led me to all these people and then I started following your friends. Like, yeah. like I just like followed all your friends on um your Instagram that looked like comedians and then it, lo and behold, like this person has a uh, open mic in their backyard and yeah. this one knows about this open mic. So I'm like, okay, I don't, I was like checking stress factory every week. Like, are they open yet? And I'm like, this isn't going to work. No, no. And they out. haven't opened yet. They opened up their tent outside for shows. I yeah. went to Mark Norman over the weekend for, Oh, he's so good. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I, yeah, I'm, I'm at that point where I went enough and it was the first time I actually tried where they're like, yeah. come on back, hang out in the back. You get, you, you get just to hang out for free. Yeah. Uh, that was the manager. The Vinny brand, the owner doesn't oh, recognize yeah. me. He came up, I was like, what's your name? He's like, Kyle. It's like, are you a comic? I'm like, yeah, I've been here a couple of times. And immediately he walked away and was fine with it. He's but pretty he, cool. Yeah, he's a, I mean, um, uh, I'm friends with his daughter. Um, I didn't know he had a daughter. That's yeah, cool. yeah, he has a whole family. I don't yeah. I don't want to get into a blow up her spot because she doesn't like to go by that last name. So yeah. I'm just friends with the daughter. That's what yeah. I'm going to leave it at. That's awesome. Um, my next question for you are, is what, when, when you started, when you decided you wanted to start comedy, uh, why? Like, what influenced you to start comedy? This is a longer answer. <laughs> um, <laughs> so, like I said, I knew I wanted to do comedy pretty early on, but I just didn't have, I guess, my confidence in myself. I spent a lot of my 20s just doing things and not really being like, this is where I want to do. This is, it's just what, what happened. I mean, I literally fell into doing balloon animals for kids because I worked at Chuck E. Cheese. Mm-hmm. I was heavily involved in the ska scene in New Jersey, just as like a, uh, just a participant, not so much a uh, person who's putting out the, the music. And one of my favorite local bands, uh, the guy, his the lo- the lead singer, we ran into each other. We kind of knew each other a little bit, but he asks, "Hey, what do you do for work?" It was like Christmas time, and we were both out with our girlfriends at the time. And I go, "Oh, I work at Chuck E. Cheese." And then everyone has that normal follow-up question. And I'm like, yes, I'm Chucky. And yes, <laughs> I've been told I'm the best one on the East Coast. And he's like, I work for a company that does like children's entertainment. And we need people to go into costumes because no one likes to go into costumes. Yeah. What would you rather do? Stand outside 
in your own body or inside a essentially stuffed toy for yeah. four hours. No one wants to do that. Yeah. But I already had that experience. I was like, <laughs> and I also was broke. So I was like, yes, let me do that. And then he knew how to make balloons. He taught me how to do balloons. That's how I'm into balloon. I didn't go searching for it. It fell on me. I know. Yeah, I know what you mean. That's kind of like um, my background when I first started doing things. Like I've been all over the place with career. I actually have a bachelor's degree in Spanish, which like is like so random yeah. because I don't do anything with it right now. <laughs> I could use that because I'm in a Spanish-speaking family and are you really speak Spanish? So are you part Spanish or no? I'm sorry. When I say I'm in, I oh, married. Oh, you married. Into I married a into a Spanish. And her last name's Colorado. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah, yeah. Don't don't know how that one. I mean, panned I guess Ado Ado is yeah. like a Spanish, so that yeah. actually does make sense. But I just think of it as like the state. The state, but of course. It is like yeah. Um, technically, Ado would be like a Spanish language thing. Yeah. But that's really interesting. Um, but yeah, I've had the same experience as you. Is that it took me kind of too late in life and too expensive in life to figure out what I wanted to do with my life because I'm yeah. like, oh, I'm in my 20s. Like the way you figure out what to do is by like buying all these college degrees <laughs> yeah, and yeah. like accruing student loan debt you know um but um yeah but anyways go on with your story yeah sorry i kind of got off on the balloon part and <laughs> but that's so i that's just demonstrating that i fall into i would fall into things but comedy was always something that i really enjoyed watching comedy i mean one of the first things i remember and it's unfortunate now because of how times have t- turned out for this particular yeah. person one of the first things i remember watching was with my grandma was bill cosby himself oh yeah it's a good special <laughs> but boy it is hard to watch now um so i've always enjoyed it but i've only ever watched specials mm-hmm. you know i only saw the end product mm-hmm. essentially and i was like hey you know it's hard you know i knew that like this like you i'm like i think i could do it but like they're doing it at a different level that yeah. i can so finally i around 2018 uh actually tw- end of 2017 i was following this comedian chris gethard from new jersey uh he has like he had like a public access show yeah. and he had a and he had a whole fan group around it uh on facebook called geth heads Mm -hmm. and someone in the group posted about having a improv group starting in asbury park Mm -hmm. and i lived in eatontown which is then like two towns over and i was like i've been wanting to do improv for so long Mm -hmm. but it was so prohibitively expensive i couldn't it was like four hundred dollars for just like one class and then you have to take like five classes and so so they're like no the the whole thing was just like we're starting it it's going to be a, a thing where you can join if you have all the improv experience or none mm-hmm. of the improv. I'm like, mm-hmm. that's exactly what I want to do. I looked into the person who posted it. I'm like, they're also a stand-up. Mm-hmm. Hey, there's an open mic in Asbury Park. Mm-hmm. Let me go run over there, introduce myself So yeah. before our first meeting so they know who I am. Mm-hmm. And I've got, I finally got to see open mic comedy. I go, mm-hmm. oh, I can do that. Yeah. And then I tried and I couldn't, yeah. but I thought I could. And that was enough to get me going. And I was like this. And I was able to do my first set. I did it at the Brighton Bar in Long Branch. Mm-hmm. And it was enough to get me going. And mm-hmm. I got a one or two laughs. I was like, that's it. This yeah. is this is what I'm going to do. So who are some of your comedy influences? Comedy influences. Um, I will say probably early on, I remember watching a lot of the uh, Comedy Central Presents so I remember seeing sets from like Jim Gaffigan, um, you know Gabriel Iglesias, um, even even some early Bill Burr stuff, and yeah, I didn't even Bill I, is awesome. and I didn't even realize like Mark Maron was on there because yeah. this was like before he would turn into who he is currently. Yeah. But then I would say in like 2009, the early two, you know early aughts, I guess we're now calling them. Um, 
uh, John Mulaney started mm-hmm. to pick up on, and that's really like when he came out with his special new in town. Mm-hmm. Someone actually reintroduced me to John Mulaney after seeing his Comedy Central presents, mm-hmm. and he has one of the, one of the funniest jokes I think I've ever heard was his Salt and Pepper story from his very first album, and I was like, oh, this is kind of. I feel like there's like a kindred spiritness to yeah. it where I don't think now I'm like at the time I think that was more the case now I'm like I'm not quite there but I there's there's some parts where I'm like yeah there's a little bit of John Millennium you know where that where that was part of my influence but I think that's probably one of the big ones and then since then I don't know the, right now I would say Mark Norman's kind of like my guiding light at the moment would you say you prefer more of like a clean act like non-cursing or are you okay with cursing or does it not really matter to you it doesn't matter to me I just want to be funny but I also don't want to be like I love David Tell but mm-hmm. I just like that's something that's like his lane yeah. and there's very few people who can do that I think as successfully as he can and I think that's like the one end of the spectrum mm-hmm. whereas I also really enjoy like Nate Bargatze who is super clean but mm-hmm. super interesting in his joke construction and the way that he gets to his punchlines. Yeah. And I really like that and something that um I would I would like to go but also I have so this is scattershot cuz I'm thinking like 15 things all at once. Um <laughs> I'm the same way. I get like scatterbrained <laughs> where I'm like, "Oh, this one thing leads to the next." Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you're just like, "But oh, and then like as which you're talking guess, about it, there's like this light like don't forget to talk Which I guess is something me. like a skill that you have to rein it as a comedian yeah. because I've noticed some comedians that like open mics like there needs to be some type of structure in for the way sure they're speaking because if they start rambling it's like wait my brain can't like follow what's going on exactly you know I mean? which not is not that you're like that no, but i'm just like no no no, no. that's it's different it's different when it's a conversation yeah. compared to what i've decided to say for the evening yeah um but you're right there's people and i'll do that where i'm like oh, i didn't really get to write but i have some premises and i'll figure it out and, and i go oh man like, i can't do this yet know. yeah that's why, like, in the beginning of the phase of me doing comedy, I've been writing everything out because yeah. I'm, like, I'm not comfortable enough yet to just, like, go on stage mm-hmm. and just, like, start talking without having a plan in mind. But there's been, like, one or two times where I kind of sloppily wrote something out where I was, like, oh, I'm getting the hang of this. I'm yeah. doing good now. And then I'm just, like, shit. Like, I don't know how to word, like, to phrase yeah. this. But I guess that's all part of the process. It is. Like, and and as someone who's only, you know, two and two and a half years in, and obviously this one year has been a little weird, um, uh, it's it's easier sometimes you know especially when you're doing well i yeah. i wrote like i wrote a line on stage because it was thrown back to me by like a friend in the audience yeah. and i was just in the pocket you know yeah. to use i played bass so i know what that is um, oh, i didn't know you're a musician as well oh i have a lot <laughs> yeah, um um yeah so i just felt in the and i just threw out a, like they threw something back at me and then i was able to like take that and then push it back out for yeah. a line that just like popped in the quote-unquote room outside in the back patio yeah that's good it's good when things happen in the moment like that it feels like um you're in tune with that your antennas are out and you're that's exactly what it is what you were thinking yeah Yeah. um i was gonna ask you something else too but i forget now because i got all in the pocket (laughs) no oh i was i had a good question for you what the heck uh well while i'm thinking of the question do you have a question for me yeah i have a couple things because I know you said that, so I'm like, I don't want to waste time. Like, no, 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 not a problem. Um, yeah, because I was also. What, what were your comedic inspirations when you started? Because you, I, I don't, you know, you you were into music. I I was going yeah. over everything all over yeah. again this morning. Was like you were going through, um, you know, your own journey into music and yeah. where. But you also were like, oh, I wanted to write comedy, and you spent a year writing comedy, which I spent a month doing it. I yeah. saw it. I saw it at the end of 
December or December, I spent a whole month just going to two open mics that were in my area. Yeah. And I was like, all right, I'm going to do it. And I then- really should have done it sooner um, because I felt like I was like waiting for the perfect time to mm-hmm. do it. And then what ended up happening was the perfect time ended up being a pandemic. pandemic. So I'm like, I really wish I just uh, did this earlier, but everything has its own time. Of course. Yeah. Maybe it's meant to be. But what were who were my influences? So I actually never um, when I was younger, I never saw comedy at all. Oh, this is like a new thing that happened within the past like two years. Um I think I did like see, actually I, that's a lie. I, I did see one comedian with my parents once. Like they took me to see some political comedian. Mm-hmm. They're like my parents are very democratic, so they, I don't even remember the name. And, and I remember being like too young to understand politics, so I yeah. was really bored. So yeah, yeah. that wasn't like my influence. Um, but um, I think I told the story on my YouTube, and I might edit this out if it's like too <laughs> offensive. But Robbie here, yeah, you know, who lives with me. Um, we were smoking marijuana together as, you do. <laughs> as we do. And I get really paranoid when I smoke. So mm-hmm. I only smoke it like once a year because I don't have the same reaction that everybody else does. And I don't, I don't understand why I would like to, but like once a year, I'm like, okay, I'm going to give it a shot and see how I do this time. Um, and this, and so, you know, me, him and his brother were smoking and it didn't work out again. I started to get really paranoid and I was like laying in my room and I was like, okay, I need to calm down. And he was like, here, watch this comedian. And that was my first introduction. So it was the Joe Rogan story. It was the, yeah. I was doing my research again. Yeah. Yeah. So <laughs> I, he showed me Joe Rogan and then Joe Rogan starts this, starts his comedy with, Hey LA, I'm high as fuck right now. Like what's in the weed these days? And I was like, okay, I feel comfortable. And then like, um, my thoughts were spinning in my head, like kind of like what? And and like, I was getting like enamored by my cell phone and I was just like, yo, like I can watch people fuck on my phone. Like my (laughs) thoughts were just going crazy. And then that was one of the jokes that Joe Rogan said on his, um, on his comedy show that I was watching. So I was like, I was like, you know, kind of tripping out like, dude, this is really in sync right now. And it was kind of like one thing led to the next. Once I found out Joe Rogan, I didn't immediately go to comedy. I went to his podcast. And then when I went to his podcast, I met the comedian, not met them, but uh, learned about the comedian. You met them in a way, you know, (laughs) not physically, but you know. Yeah. And then like from there, I don't know, my whole life was just music, music, music. Like um, one thing that's been on my mind a lot lately is the fact that, um, doing too much of the same thing can kind of take away from the passion because Mm -hmm. like I teach music I study music like I went to school for music and I think sometimes like teaching and performing music kind of makes it feel like now your passion is a job yeah so 100% you know what I mean it would be like if you were a balloon artist and then you performed balloon art and then you studied balloon art yeah it's like um you know so I kind of feel like I need to um re-fall in love with music if that makes any sense that does make sense um kind of falling in love with comedy was like a refreshing thing for me because it wasn't my job. It was like something yeah. fun for me. But of course, I'm crazy. So I'm kind of like turning it into my job instead of a passion <laughs> because it started off with like just me being passionate about watching stand-up specials. And yeah. then I was like binge watching them. And then I was just like, I think the moment that I decided I wanted to do it was because I felt jealous of Chris Rock. And I was like... "That's like, uh, I, yeah. yeah, I get that where you're like, that me yeah. me should be i should me yeah. chris rock now like, it's not like I, I watch a movie and feel jealous of leonardo dicaprio yeah. like i just watched the movie and i'm like oh that was a good act but when i was like why am i jealous of chris rock like this is weird you know what i mean yeah. so that's to me that was a sign that i needed to do it and um so the first year i was like binge watching and then the second year i was writing and binge watching yes and then i did it in 2020 so. yeah yeah hey i mean no better time honestly <laughs> it really i mean what 
when the stakes are literally the lowest because no one expects <laughs> i mean it is it's the lowest stakes like you know you start in in complete obscurity yeah. now you're starting in such an obscurity that like this it, it's outside and it's just you know how did it feel going from someone who got to start when it was good and then having to degrade to this level degrade. <laughs> like, degrade it's interesting i will say it has been somewhat transformative for me in terms of some things that i've learned because Number one, um, my biggest issue I always had was I just didn't think I was at the level where I wanted to be. And I don't think I am now, but there was a a clear gap of where I think I should be and a, yeah. where I'm currently at in my like writing and performance. I'm like, why is that? Yeah. But because there is like this kind of romantic ideal of the comedian of like going out every night and you're gonna Shit. and <laughs> you're going to and you're gonna grind as hard as you're gonna do as many shows as you can. And that's great. Yeah. But the problem is I did not have the writing behind enough it. Enough jokes yet. It wasn't even enough jokes. I I was constantly coming up with new material. The problem was I was starting at 29 and a half. So I was like, okay, I have to be good, but I also have to be original because I'm starting a little bit, you know, like yeah. the the gun went off and I was tying my shoes and everyone yeah. got a little bit of a head start. Yeah. So I'm like, all right, I have to kind of do two things at once. So I was worried about being original and good, but I was focusing on the original. I was like, I'll figure out how to be good. Yeah. No, <laughs> that is not, that's not how that works. Yeah. You can't just be like, I'll learn to swim, but I just need to make sure I have the best bathing suit on. Yeah. And then you jump in with the best bathing suit. Yeah. You're not going to know how to swim. You're going to drown. Yeah. And that's, and it took me until the pandemic to realize that. And I was like, all right, well, now I have time. I mean, at first, it d I didn't do anything right away in like March. It was like March, April, I was doing Uber Eats. I got laid off from a job like one week before. You didn't before. get laid off from Uber Eats, did you? Because that's like impossible. That is impossible <laughs> unless you like. Don't feel bad. Poison. I'm door dashing right now to make extra yeah. money because like I'm teaching lessons, but. I'm just like, yeah. I'm moving out soon into a new apartment and I'm like, shit, I need extra money right? now. So, so I've been like driving over New Jersey. I get Anyways, that. go on with what you were saying too. So I got laid off like right before, like one week before the pandemic. They're like, yeah. I'm like, my whole world's crumbling down to the next week's like, we'll follow. It's like, great. Okay. <laughs> so let's all do this together. So I was Uber eating for two months and then they're like, hey, you got laid off. You can get $600. I'm, like, I'm going back home. <laughs> and so I went back home. And uh, and then I spent a lot of like half of April and May, I would I would say most of May just kind of in bed because I wasn't doing anything, and That's I had got and I gotten laid off in 2018 just as I was starting comedy, and that I remember being realizing like oh you just don't have a purpose right now, and so I tried to correct it as fast as I could, and so I got into I did a writing. Uh, I did like a screenwriting course yeah. from Second City that helped me get back into all right now I'm writing. And then I found this group. And by found, I kind of knew about this group because one of the things I was looking for as I was going through my comedy journey was looking for comedy podcasts, yeah. specifically about the craft and how you comedy, do yeah. And there was a couple that, that I liked. There was one that I really liked but has kind of died yeah. in, in this whole process just because the hosts live in New York, but they're not from New York, so they kind of yeah. went home and they're not together. But there's been this one guy down in Atlanta named Joel Byers, and he has a podcast called Hot Breath. Interviews Hot comedians. Breath. That's what he chose. 
I want to find a name for my podcast too, because right now I just call it Pranzata, because that's like my yeah. Instagram name. But I'm like, I want like a catchy little. Thing. Yeah, I just I wrote review in progress for my review in progress. <laughs> I, I didn't know that was the name. I thought that was actually like you were reviewing. Mm. No, <laughs> no, that is the name because it just it was one of those like it was a last. It was kind of like I put it together really quick in my yeah. head, and and then I reformed it as I was getting it all that's set so up. Funny, I thought it was like literally like saying like this is in progress, but that's actually really smart. <laughs> <laughs> well, because I was like, I'm going to review my particular creative journey yeah so i'm gonna review it while it's in progress that's smart that's yeah. really clever so um thank you you know I, yeah. I write um <laughs> uh and so he has a podcast called hot breath interviews comedians and because he's also a comedian himself yeah he you know he had nothing to do so what he did was something he tried like years ago mm-hmm. uh on his what was then his like podcast fan page yeah which is now kind of turned into its own it's called the comedy uh, writers room or workshop mm-hmm. where every morning 10 a.m. one word uh, prompt and you write for 10 minutes and you write a joke. Oh shit. That's like that's a good strategy. A- and that has been one of the most transformative things in my writing since that it was just that plus rereading books and and some you know courses that I had that I just never really had the time to give yeah. t- to understand like this is how you write a joke. And man, I came out and people were like, you came back with jokes. I'm like, I know because I, I, I didn't even want to be like that false humble. Like, really? Thank you so much. I was like, no, I put in the work while I There's was. There's nothing wrong with like owning up like, yeah. you know, like owning up when you feel like you've accomplished something. Yeah. Like when I first started playing piano, I didn't think I was very good and I didn't have the confidence to say I was good. But like once I got to a level where I was like, no, I worked my ass off. I studied like, yeah. just like, thank you. You know, yes. it's, it's like feels good to take the compliment in those situations. I do have a question for you. So you mentioned you started comedy when you were 29. I'm 32 and yes. starting. Do you, f- this is how I'm I feel. I'm also 32. Oh, so. you're 32. Wow. Yeah, that, so. This is so weird. I, I'm going to tell the audience right now or the people on YouTube, him and I are living like parallel lives. We have parallel <laughs> cats. I'm probably going to edit pictures of our parallel cats. Yeah. Uh, we're the same age and doing comedy late in life. So that's pretty funny. Later. I wouldn't yeah. say, there's some people who start later, but. I was going to ask you, do you feel like a pressure? I do. I yeah. don't know how you feel about it. Do you feel a pressure like oh shit, I'm 32, like I have to hustle There's it's all over when I'm 40 or well, something. It's, it's, I mean, first off, it's a, it's a game of patience when it comes to comedy. It's like no one, very few people make it right away. And you either make it when from if you're starting, you either make it in your 20s or you make it in your 40s. Apparently, no one makes it in their 30s in terms of like this. And this is someone I've heard. Like This is Nate Bargatze I'm kind of parroting right now. And I'm thinking, I was like, yeah, there's some people who just kind of like pop right as they're turning 40. You that know? makes a lot of sense because like if you make it in your 20s, you must have started when you were like 15 or 15, 16. 15 and you're just like a phenom and you're yeah. just good. Kind of like a Pete Davidson yeah. or an Eddie Murphy or someone. Yeah. But yeah, but if, if you not, start you're late. Then you or not even start late, you know, just some people who work that long. Yeah. And just, but, you know, they, they keep, and just, you know, one of the things I've heard from um, Pete Holmes, who was relaying the information yeah. from um, Conan O'Brien, it's just like one of those things, you have to keep like ringing your triangle. And you just keep ringing it for years until people start to realize, hey, what's that sound I've heard this entire time? Yeah. Let me go check that out. So it's just one of those things. It's a game of Persistency patience. Persistency and patience yeah. and like 
kind of falling in love with the journey along yeah. the way and not expecting everything one, that's it. to come at once. There was this one um, female comedian that really inspired me when I started feeling that pressure of like, oh my God, how could I do this later in life? Um, and it was interesting. She had like some similar background as me and she didn't become famous until she was in her 50s. Mm-hmm. I can't remember her name now, but she's like an Italian woman, Lisa Lampanelli. Oh, Lisa Lampanelli. Lisa Lampanelli. I, she, she's no longer a comedian. She actually yes. retired, yeah. and she wouldn't make it as a comedian because she has a lot of uh, racist humor. So in 2020, that yeah, would... Well, yeah, it was more it was more race-based. I wouldn't even... I don't know. I remember I, it was all like... It was all just like, I really like black guys. That was kind of like her thing, but it worked for her, you know? Yeah, it, it was funny, but it definitely... I, I can oh, understand sure. why she retired because yeah. the way things are going with like social justice warriors and Mm -hmm. stuff and Mm -hmm. everything. And I have questions about that too, but we'll get to that. But she, um, reading her story inspired me because she was like an editor for like a music magazine or something like that. And she was like teaching kids and like doing all kinds of stuff. And then she was like, "Eh, I'm not happy with life. Like I've always wanted to be a comedian. Let me be a comedian. She didn't start till she was in her thirties. Um, like 36 or something is when she started and she like made it big and became really successful in her 50s. Yeah. But then she retired like a couple years ago. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was so. like, yeah, I remember hearing about that, that she's like, I'm done, I've moved on to a different point, which is fine, you know? Yeah. But she she had a great career and I don't think anyone can take that away from her yeah. at all. Um, yeah, it's it's interesting being the later and I don't know what you have thought in, in your, your experience. It's been relatively brief, but like, because I, I mean, I'll hang out with comedians, and then I'll make reference. Like the other night when I was at Mark Norman, and we, me, my friend Tom Zappia, Danny Braff, uh, he put on that show in Somerville that you were talking about not that long I ago. I wanted to go to that, but I ended up not going to it, or, or maybe it's not there yet. I he's got a bunch of shows coming up. He's a yeah. ridiculous producer in terms of like what he puts out. Yeah. Um, we all went to the um, uh, restaurant next door, and I can't remember for the life of me. Um, uh, to the stress factory wall and I got like uh, sausage and uh, uh, broccoli rob <laughs> mm, and so it's so good but it does things to my stomach <laughs> and I abuse my wife with that and I go oh my wife's not going to be happy about this and Danny Braff goes I have to remember you're not doing a bit when you say that you actually have a wife <laughs> because I have these like cherub cheeks that make me seem young yeah. and like people forget that I'm like 32 so it kind of works in your favor in, in, my like... fa- in that sense but I will say it's and I'm wondering in what do you see that there's like a little bit of a difference between like you and like the other comedians that are because I mean, I, I've noticed it a little bit. I mean, I'm, you know, we're not so much far apart in some of these mm-hmm. comedians, but still you see some and you're like, oh, boy, you're you have the rest of your 20s to get there, bud. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's interesting. Like I see some young comedians and I see like a nervousness on stage and stuff like that. So I kind of wonder, like, maybe there are some benefits and perks to starting later because you've already had a life to live. That doesn't And you have hurt. things to talk about. You know uh, what I mean? That, so there's perks w- to both sides. Which, which is which is true. But I will say up until and you caught me at like where I'm on the better end of this. I was very ner- like people would be like, I just had this nervous energy about me because I wanted it so bad. And now, because I'm like, I know these jokes work because yeah. I understand how they work. I understand the mechanisms of why these jokes are working. Yeah, I'm now more con- like that's one of the benefits that I've had in this pandemic. You you asked me like, you know, what does it feel? I did a uh, a Mike outdoors in Hoboken, I and to do that so bad. it's I it's a fun yeah. it's a fun one. Um, and the very first one. We were at the amphitheater, the Frank Sinatra amphitheater. It's just yeah. like big with a uh, cement. And I was up and I was telling a joke. Uh, 
My first joke I did is this joke about OnlyFans. Not particularly dirty, but it does get a little <laughs> I dirty. I did an OnlyFans joke too. Yeah. yeah. Um, and then I was transitioning into this other joke about uh, old roommates I'd lived with. Uh, they were just like, the, it was, we were playing Monopoly and like the the guy and the girl I was playing with, they were in like a trading kind of like war yeah. at the moment. And like the guy was just stonewalling her. <laughs> and the girl goes, Kevin, if you don't, uh, if you don't make this trade with me, I will suck your dick. Like she got so for, she got so upset she forgot how to make a threat. And Kevin's like, "We're engaged, Aaron. Like I don't know what you." And but I pulled back on the word "dick," and I was just like, "Why?" I just did this OnlyFans joke, so I just was like, I yelled yeah. "dick," and then like this family there, it was like an older family, it wasn't so it wasn't kids. It was just like a, like an older older family and they turned and they were like oh what were you talking about and i was like oh did you miss the whole joke do you want me to go through the whole yeah. thing again and it just was like oh this is the kind of energy i need to have when like, i'm like rather than being like yeah it's because the phrase that we use is it's a conversation and in that moment it was a real conversation but like no this is how you kind of have to have that energy where you're not talking at them you're talking with them I read somewhere like um, a couple of things came to my head. So I'm like, ooh, which thought yes. do I follow? <laughs> which one do you want to pick? All right, I'm going to start with the first one first. Okay. You said, um, oh crap, now I forget that one. You said that, um, oh, the nervous energy and mm. wanting it so bad. Um, one thing I heard Whitney Cummings say that kind of spoke to me was that um, she said that one of the keys to success in life and to success in comedy or whatever you want to do is don't put all your eggs in one basket mm -hmm. and have different things going on so that you don't seem too desperate to do one thing and i i find that that's true and that helps me because i'm like well i'm doing music and comedy so yeah. i i don't really know which one is like the thing that i'm gonna get hard into yet yeah. and i really like doing them both but i haven't really like picked a solid path yet i would like to pick a solid path but i'm <laughs> not there yet as making the choice but in some way that actually benefits me because i don't feel like i need this because i'm like well yeah. if this doesn't work out i'm still yeah. a musician or if music doesn't work out i'm still a comedian so mm -hmm. that and then the other thing i was gonna say can't remember that now what were you just saying before two seconds ago? I was saying about being outdoors and talking to a family and having that conversation. I was, okay, I was going to say that I also heard somewhere from a different comedian that um, sometimes it's not even what you're saying that's funny. It's just the presence how, you have and how you say one, it. I mean, I have destroyed good jokes by not having a good performance, 100%, because people are like, does he want to say that? Like, is he, is he, like, or does if, he mean it? Yeah, or, like, does if he you're not confident. Yeah. It's not going to work. Yeah. But it is funny as you get better that sometimes when you're like, I'm not giving this my all and the people are giving you laughs, you're yeah. like, really? Like the, I like I, would, I did a set maybe a couple weeks ago and I didn't get a chance to like memorize it. It was done. Yeah. It just didn't have it. So I was like, I'm just going to read it off my yeah. my thing. I was like, oh, this is going to go. I'm like, I was like, this is going to go bad. Like, yeah. you're, like, I'm literally just reading and people were getting laughs. I'm like, you guys are giving this way more than it deserves right now. But I appreciate it. And then I was able to take that set and then bring it to that same group I was telling you about before that does the uh, once a day writing club yeah. some people have started an online like feedback mic and I'm not one for the zoom mics it just doesn't work for me I yeah. haven't figured out how to crack that yet but this particular mic is very interesting where it's just comedians you each get five minutes and then after that you all get three minutes of feedback from all the comedians yeah. and then they tell you like I like this maybe you should explore that maybe you should phrase it this way and that has helped me fix jokes 
quicker than I would have gotten to. One thing that has been making me personally nervous where I'm at now is because I'm performing in, during the pandemic. Mm-hmm. I haven't performed for any people who aren't comedians. Yes. So I don't know if I'm actually funny because I'm not sure if comedians just understand each other. I mean, sometimes you know I mean? there's like, some, there's sometimes that I will say that I was like, this that same mic I was just referring to, there was a time where I had, uh, I was telling this joke about where I don't think I have like an addiction gene. And I go, <laughs> Because I went to, I passed up sex to go to work. <laughs> you laugh. The comedians laugh. Audience was like, okay. Like I could feel like they go, all right. Yeah. They're like, oh, you don't get why that's funny. I had to explain. It's like, yeah, I went and dressed up as Chuck E. Cheese instead of having a night with a woman. Yeah. And then they laughed. That was like, that was for them. Yeah. Like, oh, yes, of course. Yeah. Why would you do that? But I was yeah. just like, no, I went to work. I passed up sex to go to work. Yeah. Like, but it just, I could feel that like, okay. Like, they weren't angry with me. They're like, all right, that's the next sentence. Where are we going with this? Yeah. So sometimes, yes, you comedians will just understand where the joke is going and yeah. then we'll just or they laugh. know you personally and yeah. understand your story but i'm just like okay i've been um i bombed i would say i kind of bombed like the second session i did because it was at that like backyard um mm-hmm. thing in um where was that elmwood one? park yeah and i was like okay like no one's really paying attention well to this. i will say um you can't bomb an open mic because it's practice do you mess up a note on the on the piano and go, uh, that's it, that's the end of my career? Oh, like if I'm practicing yeah. or whatever? No. So that's what open mics are. I, so you can't, re- like you can do bad and yeah. you know you didn't do well, but bombing is when you just don't live up to an audience expectation. Like an actual stage. Yeah. I, yeah no, I get, it I just, it makes it. it easier because I, I've gotten to, the, uh, I got to that point where I was just like, I'm bombing. I'm like, no, you're not. Yeah. You're at an open like, mic. You're, you're practicing. <laughs> and that yeah. particular mic you're talking to, that was, that's a tough one. That's, yeah. a, that's because it's so spread out. Yeah. I'm so, I don't mean to be like, you didn't do yeah. it. Just, but it's just like one of those things that I had to say to myself. Yeah. I told to other people because it's just like, no, like no. this is practice. Yeah. I, what I was going to um, say though, is that one I felt like I bombed. I got, I won't say I bombed, <laughs> but I felt like I did. But the other ones I didn't. The other ones I felt like really good. And I was like, wow, I actually got That was at Wawa, right? Yeah. Yeah. And that's a little bit smaller of a space. Comedy really thrives in those smaller spaces. Obviously, it's better when there's walls and there's a thing on top, you know, to capture in all that sound. But, you know, at least people are focused and looking at you. That one is like this big, expansive field and everyone fans out. Yeah. So like that, that gave me a lot of confidence. But I'm like, this kind of makes me nervous because I don't want to get too used to the confidence because these are all comedians yes. and they probably just all think alike and, you know, are somewhat alike. And I'm just yeah, like, I, mean, I want to have the experience of performing for people who aren't comedians so I could really test what I have to do, you know? Yeah. I mean, and there are some spaces that are doing that now. Um, I mean, there's some shows going on. I haven't been able to get on because I think I was as I wasn't I was unproven as I was for so long mm-hmm. that I don't think. And there's only so many spots. Yeah. It's harder for me to get in right now. Yeah. But there is like a mic out in uh, Union at the. At, oh, I know which one you're talking about. It's it costs fifteen dollars to like sign up. I don't know why the guy who runs it, nice dude, but I just don't think he understands how no mic works. But. There's an audience because it goes hard. That's is there a, be- a large audience? It is a very large. It's like you, so the Union train station at Keene. I know, used to go to. Yeah, Keene. I, yeah. I'm. A, yeah. uh, I did my research. Um, 
and the Rocking Joes in there. Yeah. Where there was a mic on yeah. every Friday for just straight comedy, but they, what they've been doing is they've been throwing like mixed mics, and they'll bring in like rappers from like Staten Island, and people go crazy. Yeah. So, and, and so it's a different audience for me than I normally get. I normally, yeah. you know, it's a very, you know, comedy in New Jersey is, is predominantly very white, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. And um, so that's most of the audience I got. And so I was able to do that, and I had a pretty good set. And it's nice to get in front of people who aren't, you know, comedians that would be the one i would suggest just you know fifteen dollars <laughs> yeah i know yeah most of the mics that i've been to so far are just like five dollars so that's a, that's a little steep for an open mic for sure and those aren't usually the case with open mics it's yeah. usually free but at the moment they're trying to keep these places open yeah i guess i can understand that in yeah. a sense like I, if it's that type of thing now do they do um just comedy or they also do musicians as well well at the at the um, Keene? the keen university one yeah they bring in they bring in like rappers they bring in poets they bring in just musicians so if you ever wanted to just even bring your keyboard and do that yeah there. I'm like that's interesting i can show up and be like hey i'm gonna tell you some <laughs> jokes and then i'm gonna play. play yeah i've thought of like trying to write jokes in song form because um I love Bo Burnham. Yep. Do you know Bo Burnham? I do know Bo Burnham. I don't know if I have that talent to be able to write funny songs like mm-hmm. that, and that's the thing, but I'll I'll consider that because I think that would be cool. There's yeah. like one guy who comes to the Wawa open mic with his guitar, and he does Yeah, AJ. Yeah. Yeah, he yeah he's, he's very funny. Very funny. Good dude, too. Um, yeah, that's it's interesting because you have to... Um, also, I don't know if you've met her, Angela Sharp. She comes in. She's a no. I don't think you've met her. Um, uh, find her on Instagram. Yeah, very funny. She is a. Um, I would say, I think she's like relatively our age because she's mom. Yeah. Um, and she has a guitar and has very funny songs. Uh, it's yeah. I, it's I do. I, it's it's hard. Like I've never written like lyrics, so yeah. the idea of not only writing lyrics that follow a meter and might rhyme also have to have a punchline at the end i was like yeah. you know what i'm just gonna stick with comedy right <laughs> now I'll, i'm you guys got that on lockdown right now i haven't met that many like female i know there are females mm-hmm. in the new jersey stand-up scene because i like follow them on instagram but i haven't really met that many um so far at the open mics and i'm really excited to because i think like again like i'm a musician and that's a very male dominated field yes. and i'm just like okay now i'm in comedy which is also, also a male dominated field what? And no I'm just comedy like, yeah like <laughs> like i'm just like it would be nice to have some like female friends in my life um because mm-hmm. like a lot of my female friends growing up they like moved i have like one really close girlfriend um that i lived with she still lives around here but i'm like man like i would love to meet some female comedians you know I it's I, I i'll say it's you know it's difficult because male comedians are <sighs> creeps um so like i was gonna i was actually gonna mention this this is something i thought about is that i feel glad that like when you compliment my jokes i know it's from the heart because you have a wife and i'm like when other yeah, yeah like yeah when other no 100 like, i'm oh and like in our conversations i would there'd be times i'm like does that sound right because i don't want to come <laughs> off as a creep because no. a there's you know there really is no you know ulterior motive this one guy reached out to me on instagram and he was like hey i saw your open mic you were hilarious and he goes so do you want to go to like the strip club and i'm just okay well now i don't know like if someone tells me i'm funny and it's a guy in the industry i don't know if they actually think i'm funny or if it's because and i i used to have the same problem with music too like i would go to these open jams and that's mm, yeah i would like that's interesting yeah i would like ask a guy like um 
hey i really like what you played like like what influenced you and i just wanted to have like a genuine conversation and then like as comedians we kind of have like the gift of seeing through people so we could just like see through people's shit and like some guys would be like oh it's just like they put on this like act and they're like oh i just play this from my heart it just flows and i'm like no i just want to have a conversation (laughs) like this is not i'm not asking you i'm not a groupie i i know what you're talking about i just need you to yeah that does like i love having you as a comedy friend like um because you're married so i'm like okay like i know that he's genuine when he gives me advice and stuff like that yeah i just i mean because when you reached out to me i will say it was just like oh I wish I had me when I started Aww, to reach yeah. out because, you know, I wish, the, I, had me yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, wish I was there for Aww. myself um, <laughs> because I just, you know, I found out through piecemeal and through meeting people and I don't regret that at all. But it was, I just think it's just like, I, I mean, I felt I was like, man, I think I gave her the works at the moment. I feel like yeah. I, over, I was like, did I overwhelm her? You're like, this is great. You know, and then no, it was not, it was like everything I needed. I was like, wow, this is really good. And then the other guy that you uh, connected me with the New Jersey comedy guy. Yeah. He's also been extremely helpful. Yes. And I think he also has a girlfriend too. So yeah. I think it's like, it's like, okay. <laughs> yeah. This, Steve this Lack. Like he's good. a good dude. It's kind of like being friends with a gay guy. It's like, okay, yes, like, yes. like I can trust you. You know what I mean? Um, but I have been called flamboyant no, a lot in my life. So flamboyant at all. <laughs> <laughs> I did. I did mention before the, the interview i did do musical theater so i got interesting so are you a singer uh i can sing but i don't consider myself a singer so you're more an actor like a performer type of thing i will say i've always been a ham as a as a person like one of my one of my mom's favorite story is that uh down in my grandparents basement i would climb like one of the support beams that they had and using my like little like sticky oily little little kid hands you know how like kids are just sticky just naturally (laughs) yeah like they're just like we're spider-man and so i would climb up and then slide down and do if you've ever seen the movie ghostbusters it's a popular movie i hope you know (laughs) i it it seems weird to be like have you ever seen ghostbusters you know i actually haven't seen ghostbusters okay so (laughs) this is like a kind of like an insecurity of mine that i haven't seen that many movies and i want to see them and i'm and and i used to be one of those people like you haven't seen it and then in my later in my life i'm like you're an asshole stop saying things like so in that. my case like it's not that i didn't want to watch movies it's that like i had kind of like um now we're gonna get a little deep here i had kind of like a broken family growing up okay. where um my mother wasn't in the picture and my dad was working all the time so like there just wasn't family activities Got like it. it's it, like we had a tv but like it's not like there wasn't people gathering yeah. around to watch yeah, yeah, yeah. it. So like I was just kind of like a loner kind of thing. And I think that's why I even got into music because like that was one thing that I did have was like CDs. Like we had CDs at the time. Mm-hmm. Um, but then like growing up, like people always thought I was a freak. Like you haven't seen this movie. I did see a few movies, like a, su- a, a few mm-hmm. good movies. I saw Gremlins for whatever reason. <laughs> I saw The Nightmare Before Christmas. Um, I basically saw movies like before my mom left the family. Got so it. like yeah, there was, a, there was a period of time where you're like, oh, I got this. But yeah, then, yeah. like anything in like the early 90s like i saw bill and ted's excellent adventure like i saw something um but then i didn't start seeing movies again until i was like an adult and now i'm just like yeah, i'm an have, adult and yeah. i want to see all the movies yeah and you I have don't you have your own like cultural experience that you missed yeah plus all the stuff that's like years before you yeah that's yeah. a lot that's a lot um uh but there so there's a scene in ghostbusters mm-hmm. so i don't want to just be like all right back to me again <laughs> seems like a rude thing to do but no. um so i would go down and there's a scene where um Dan Aykroyd slides down and does this whole like this place is great and I apparently did it verbatim um and my mom was like oh this kid's gonna do something be- with like they knew that like I just liked I liked I was always like the funny kid in school uh 
to a to an to an extent, uh, I mean, in my eighth grade yearbook, like the next Jim Carrey or something to that effect. Mm, I love Jim Carrey. And then and then oh man, at <laughs> the first year I brought around Grace to my family, and I've never really brought around girlfriends before. Is that your wife? And that is my wife. Um, Grace Colorado. Grace Colorado. She has a porn star name too. <laughs> she does. Um, and it's also great. I never wanted her to change her name. I was like, that's how it's so perfect. I, I was yeah. just like, I don't even want to touch it. I don't want to. Grace yeah, Groom. Been, no, no, no. Yeah, exactly. Not, Thank you. Thank you. People are like, it's, well, it's got the alliteration. I'm like, Gur and Gur, get out of here. Yeah. Um, but the first time I brought her around to my family, my extended family, my mom's side, which is a very large side, yeah. they decided to bust out like an old like home movie that we've never looked at before yeah. from like a cousin's wedding that happened. Yeah. And I'm just being a ham in the background, just like 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 people like were, you're always like wanted to be on stage and stuff like just that. just literally like there was like they were filming. My, my like my cousins who were maybe one or two and they were just doing their thing and I'm in the background just like doing like the walk like an Egyptian from Bangles. I was always like sh- very shy as a kid, but like secretly funny mm-hmm. and kind of like when you walked in my house and you saw my cats and I was like they're actually really friendly. They're just like afraid of people. That's like how I am. Or it's <laughs> that was like, you describing yourself years ago. Yeah, like I'm like I. I would only be, and it, and it it still happens sometimes. Like I would only be funny for the people that I truly felt comfortable with. And then like once I was in like situations where I didn't feel comfortable, I would just become really shy. Mm -hmm. But like I always had like a funny side that I just would never show. And I guess that's like, I guess, I don't know. I guess you could say another incentive as to why I started doing comedy because it's like this piece of me that I don't want to hide from the world. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like I want to expose all parts of me no, that sounds really wrong i would expose all <laughs> <laughs> only fans uh, follow me on I, I really yeah. enjoy how like creativity and things like that you can be like out of context i sound like the biggest yeah. <laughs> creep in the world yeah. um but anyways let's see how long we've been going for holy shit i can't believe we've been going for like 50 minutes already that's really good yeah so oh my mine i'm like man hour and a half so yeah yeah I'm probably going to stop it now just because right now I'm only going up to like an hour mm-hmm. because YouTube, I don't have enough subscribers yet and you people need to start hitting like and sharing it with your friends. Seriously. Because uh, I'm trying to mess with the algorithm here and if I have like an hour and a half video and nobody watches it, mm-hmm. I'm not going to grow. So I'm actually going to end the podcast now, but please don't forget to hit subscribe and I want to get his information out there if you'd like to follow him. So tell everybody sure. where they can find you on Instagram and your podcast and everything. All right. So Twitter, Instagram, same um handle kyle rg colorado Mm -hmm. robert groom that's yeah middle name last name but anyway kyle rg colorado that is twitter and instagram twitter is where i pretty much tweet jokes where that i've been working on uh some of those jokes i write in that group yeah uh i'll just like oh this is i'll just put it out there because i don't know if i can bring it to stage um and then, uh, and then I'll put those tweets on my Instagram. Uh, if you follow my Instagram, you'll start to see where I'm posting a lot more. I'm trying to get into that content game too. Yeah. But right now, I'm focusing a lot on Instagram. I do want to branch out to uh, YouTube for my podcast called Review in, in Progress. It's on Apple, Spotify, Google, Overcast. Yeah. I haven't gotten this podcast on anything but YouTube yet. I'm like, I don't even know how to get there, so well, I have to figure all that out. But we can talk after <laughs> yeah. this. Uh, but yeah, you can. There's three episodes right now. Actually, when we were originally supposed to do this last week i was like you know what i want to make sure that i have everything out so i could say go go get yeah. it now even though i knew the video wouldn't be out for a yeah. while but i i used our initial like yeah. recording date to be like this is the date i'm gonna do yeah. it <laughs> just gave myself a deadline uh so i appreciate that but yeah so three episodes i have uh this actually this this episode will be the audio version of Yay. that and then um 
Yeah, I have I have a bunch more guests coming up uh, in the I'm near future. I'm excited to hear them. Yeah, I saw a little clip of what you did on Instagram so far, and it was like a really uh, deep thing that your friend said. I can't remember exactly what he said. But like, like illusion. Illusion, uh, yeah, yes, that's what it was. Reality was is like, illusion. I was like, wow, this was episode like, this is, is really deep. Yeah, like, this is yeah I mean, he's very much into mysticism. That's episode two, Mike Castaney, <laughs> great guy. Uh, he created a, a tarot card deck that was based on yeah. like just like people who draw it themselves, and it was it's very cool. I, I really enjoy it. It's just, uh, and he gave me the best description which i now use as my podcast description i'm using uh the podcast to kind of document and like review my own creative journeys through open-ended conversations not unlike this one so actually before this podcast ends because i did want to talk about this and i forgot to did you hear at all about what's going on with joe rogan and spotify yeah oh it's like pretty it's i feel so sad for him well i mean it's it's that's that's just some people within spotify that's not necessarily and i mean they I mean, they made the choice to buy it outright, and they wanted it. They're not going to change the deals because then he'll just go back to YouTube. Yeah, I got, like, apparently there's all this drama going on that Spotify bought out Joe Rogan. They paid him $100 million or $10 million? uh, From what I heard, the the, the deal isn't 100% like out there, but people are guessing between... Uh, 150 to 200 yeah. million. So he got paid a fuck ton of money to go to Spotify from YouTube. But he still owns everything. Yeah. It's just it's exclusively hosted. He he's he built up those 10 years of yeah. doing it as opposed to like uh selling out early, kind of like a musician who would sell yeah. away their master rights way too early yeah. and not have their own recording rights. Yeah. He waited and waited till they came with an offer that he's like, yep. So yeah. he was, he still has everything. So if anything changes, he could always go back. He can always go back. But like the, I guess the whole thing, if anybody who's watching this doesn't know, is that there's this whole drama going on with it right now because apparently Spotify is censoring or they're trying to censor some of his um, episodes on um, on Spotify. And Joe Rogan's brand is that he says whatever he wants and he doesn't really have a political agenda. He's very in the middle and he brings on all kinds of guests. He brings on Bernie Sanders. He brings on uh, Ben Shapiro. And I think um, there's a lot of like far leftist like ideologies involved with the people at Spotify. So I was like, when I heard all that, I was genuinely sad because like, I'm like, no, they can't censor. Well, I don't don't think they're going to censor because that's not the terms of their deal because that's not if Joe Rogan sniffed for a second that that was going to be the case, he was going, and he could probably still, I'm assuming, bail out. It's just some people who, they don't like the fact that he gives people a platform that of ideas that they don't like. And yeah. I totally understand that because some of the ideas that these people do push that he puts on. Oh, but, like Alex Jones. Yeah, Alex Jones. Like <laughs> it's, But it's just, you know, for me, he already has his own platform. Putting yeah. it on Joe doesn't really amplify it. Or I don't think podcasts are at that point where you have a whole company behind it you have one person behind it yeah that's what the whole podcast game is about it's not a whole company it's literally one person putting out so it's it's different than like saying like putting alex jones on like nbc or whatever it's like a totally different it's a totally different thing but some people can't don't see that delineation and they have an issue with it and I don't think I don't think I don't I don't think there's gonna yeah, be an issue. Yeah, because like a lot of people are like, oh, he's a sellout. He chose money over his uh, brand, and his brand was like authenticity and stuff like that. But I don't think I, I think that's people who don't understand that he has he still has the podcast. Yeah. He didn't give away his rights for the podcast. <laughs> yeah. He just said we're gonna move everything onto Spotify. It's gonna be the home for the next X amount of years until I'm done with Spotify. Yeah, so I'm hoping everything blows. I over think it'll with be fine. I, I think the very the very worst is that 
this deal goes south and he's back on YouTube. That's doing what I same. thought too. I was like, I wonder how that would go if like he would have to give part of the money back or no. I'm assuming he would he would walk away from the money because he yeah. was making I don't think he needed the money. He's just yeah. like this is just something that brings him to the next level. Yeah. And at the very least it's kinda like anything that happened like Shane Gillis last year yeah. where this just brings more attention to him. Yeah. So at the very least more people are aware of Joe Rogan who might have not been aware. Yeah. That's a good position in life to be in where it's like, Hey, I'll take this money, but I still have a lot of money. If you don't, if you don't want it, I can go back to the life that I had and it would still be fine. He he wouldn't, I don't think that would. Yeah. Yeah. But anyway, so I just want to touch that before we end things, but that's the podcast for today. I hope you guys enjoyed. Don't forget, don't forget to hit subscribe and the like button down down below and leave any comments. If you have anything, any questions for the next podcast, or if you have any suggestions, if you have any suggestions for the podcast name, but yep, that's Kyle Colorado, um, comedian used to be a musician kind of bass player thing, porn star, et cetera. Yeah. Not really porn star, but thank you so much guys. Take care. Thank you.